Second Star to the left, a podcast and everything fantastic, strange, and science fictional Star Trek and all. I don't know. This week, uh, we're doing a special bonus episode uh, with our newest cast member. I want to welcome Meredith to the cast. Meredith Rousseau, welcome. Hi, it's me. My name's Meredith Rousseau. I got a tummy full of bodega food and a heart full of dreams. Meredith graciously has joined us as a full-time cast member, and we're really excited to uh, welcome her on board. And we want to kick off and inaugurate this experience. Uh, Katie couldn't be with us, but we were uh, all big Star Trek fans. And we all saw Captain... Well, no, it's just Star Trek Picard this weekend. <laughs> well, I think at this, at this point, he at this point his, he is literally Monsieur Picard. Monsieur Picard. I would, just, I would just like to point out, Matt saw it twice and he almost called it Captain Picard. At least twice. I mean, that's what it is. Also, but... what re- what region of France is he from? Où, où est la France et uh, Monsieur Picard? This has always bothered me because he clearly does not sound French, and he's obviously et... not French, but he's named yeah. Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Et du, What's the deal? Et du, et, et du Monsieur Picard de le Château Picard? Like... <laughs> Before we get into the show, I want to ask you both, uh, what's your experiences with Star Trek? Uh, we we just did an episode on Galaxy Quest, so I think people are also a bit more recent ours, but Mara, I'd love to hear uh, your background Star Trek. I think because as someone who's like seen like all the Star Trek series like over and over and over again, this is going to be a challenging episode for me because I have to separate the nitpicky Star Trek fan side of myself from the wannabe cultural critic side of myself. Anyways, Mara, what's your experience with Star Trek? So, I remember... Oh, because I'm one of those '90s kids who's constantly remembering things. I was mm-hmm. a wee, I was a wee bairn when Star Trek TNG came out, and so I remember that TNG was sort of the Game of Thrones of its day, where like people who were not into the genre that um, TNG was part of, like it was it was a sensation. Everyone was watching TNG, and my parents, both of whom are. My dad's like a my dad's like a like a Zep guy, you know. Like I would describe him as like having the same cultural sensibilities as Brock Sampson from the Venture Brothers. And my mom's like a, and my mom's like a Turbo Normie. And both of them were still super into TNG. Like to this day, when I see Riker, I still remember my dad. Like whenever Riker would come on screen, my dad would crack a beer and go "Space Dog," because um, he just related to Riker so much. Um, <laughs> And so, like, I had vague memories of TNG, and then, um, I, I, like, so here's the thing about my teenage years. Like, I was into Star Wars when I was in elementary and middle school, and then I went to art school, and I was, like, really, I didn't feel cool at the time, but in retrospect, like, I was really cool and, like, doing drugs and having, like, gay sex and stuff, and (laughs) I wasn't. Like, I still did video game stuff, but mm-hmm. I wasn't engaging with a lot of other nerd culture, you know? Yeah. I, like, I didn't even play as much D&D in high school as I did in middle school and college. And so I wasn't watching Star Trek. And then I became an adult, and I got involved in, we'll say, a elite group of internet leftists. And some people I respected on there were very into Star Trek. And I was like, they seem passionate about this thing. I should check it out. And I remember TNG fondly. And I watched TNG and I loved it. Like, I watched the whole thing. Um, And then I went back and watched TOS and I liked it more than TNG. And I still like TOS more than TNG. Um, And then I watched the movies, which I'd never seen. And Wrath of Khan made me cry. Wrath of Khan made me cry. And like, Voyage Home was so good that when I went to San Francisco for the first time and I found out they didn't have any Star Trek themed things to do there, I was like genuinely mad. Fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm a I'm a transgender lesbian and a little peek behind the scenes is that um we all like Deep Space 9 and so I having having been to the home of another person who is a trans woman and a lesbian who I wanted to have sex with inevitably Deep Space 9 was on in the background and I was like, "Oh, this show, this show <laughs> 
this show whips ass too, and I checked that out, and I loved Deep Space Nine, and I've seen about half of Voyager, but I just couldn't get into it. Didn't really get into Discovery. My experience with Star Trek The Next Generation is that last night, um, I watched the season 5 episode Darmok for about the 15th time in my life, and literally was almost brought to tears. Yeah. Um, that's one of the best episodes, though. That's that's kind of oh, so good. high bar to set. Yeah. I think we on the pod already know my experience with Star Trek. Maybe. You hate it. Uh, no. Um, I'm actually almost in the exact same camp as you, except I haven't watched all the way through DS9 yet. I'm working on it, but I'm going back through all of it, so it's taking a while. I don't know if I like TOS more than TNG yet. Oh, and also I didn't have a lot of gay sex, but everything else is the same. <laughs> no, I was actually I was actually talking to one of my roommates about TOS the other day, and we came to the conclusion that it's definitely preferring TOS is definitely a gay thing because TOS is intensely campy, um, and so if you right. come from a cultural background that predisposes you to seeing things done both incredibly earnestly and kind of badly, um, then you're going to love TOS because it's the campiest of all the Star Trek. It's very bad. Yeah. Campy, it was campy. A real great... <laughs> um, <laughs> so far, I was listening to uh, Struggle Sessions, another podcast. They were having a couple other people, leftists, on to discuss TOS versus TNG, and one of them raised the great point that the intimacy in TOS amongst these like three main characters, like they like remembered a scene where like McCoy like sees like Kirk's cut, he just like reaches out and touches him and asks him, "Are you okay?" Yeah, is not like. It's different than TNG, which is very professional managerial yes. and, yeah. you know, it's the office. From my standpoint, I always find TOS and TNG fascinating because I think of the historical context that they're produced in. TOS is before uh, we landed on the moon. TNG is like uh, space shuttles, you know, yeah. routinely like going up and... It's business. It's business as usual. And I think like they both relate to different... Um, they both relate to space as a concept differently and I think that's really interesting when you look at the different Star Trek iterations over time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's going to be really relevant to our discussion about Picard because how Picard engages with Star Trek from before and what Star Trek is now is a big part of, I think, the cultural criticism that we can make about Picard as a, a series. Also, yes. So, and really quick aside, um, because you mentioned kind of the intimacy in Star Trek TOS, this is something that not a lot of people know. Um, and it's something that I wish more people knew. Um, and it has to do with why Star Trek still exists, and um, and erotic fan fiction, and also what Star Trek has in common with the original uh, Mobile Suit Gundam. Um, which is to say, Star Trek the original <laughs> series and Mobile Suit Gundam uh, were both shows that were, and this is this is stuff that I've that I've read. And so, if any if I'm wrong on anything, feel free to not come into my DMs or at me because I don't care. Um, too yeah, too bad. But uh, from everything I've been able to gather, um, Mobile Suit Gundam and Star Trek the original series were not incredibly well-received by most of society um, and the, the viewing public when they came out. Um, except in both instances, they were incredibly well-received by horny women between the ages of about 16 and, like, 35, who yeah. basically invented fan culture because... Um, for, uh, for the Japanese audiences, they were writing, uh, they were writing because they found in TOS and in Mobile Suit Gundam, these incredibly novel, very intense and like layered and textured interpersonal relationships. So fascinating and were grist for the mill of their fantasies. And we're writing all of these, we're writing all of this fan fiction and trading letters with each other and going to conventions to meet each other, um, these two points sort of created these two shows and the female horny fandoms around them um, created kind of what we know as fandom uh, Mm -hmm. and are the reason that both shows continue to exist. Like you don't, if I remember right, you don't get a second season of TOS without horny uh, Kirk Spock fan fiction, um, which was an outgrowth of the response to the intimacy in TOS, which is basically me saying, Horny women and stories about boys kissing is why you get Gundam and Star Trek. Right. So I'm in the process of going through the original series um, for the first time. And I hit the episode Shore Leave, where um, they go down on a planet and they hallucinate a bunch. Well, they don't hallucinate. They create a bunch of fantastical stuff. But at the very beginning of the episode when they're on the ship, Kirk is getting like a massage 
in the chair and like the yeoman's giving it to him like on the back and he goes oh yes like lower mr spock and then he realizes spock isn't doing it and then he's like oh never mind and i think it's just supposed to be like a one-off haha joke but i was like were they did they know there's fan so fiction? much intimacy in that did they know that fan joke? fiction was going on at this point because like they're fucking with people it's like they know like oh shit we're gonna blow their minds with this one their little little rib tickler here they had they had to know but that was thank you for yeah. tolerating my aside um, to let the people know about horny gay fan fiction, and oh, now let's important. talk about let's talk about Picard. Speaking of horny gay fan fiction, speaking, let's talk about Cocoon: The Return. Speaking of things that are, <laughs> in contrast, incredibly heterosexual. Now that I think about it, let's talk about Picard. Have you ever been a stranger to yourself? Many, many times. Nearly two decades ago, Commander Data sacrificed his life for me. These past few years, I really tried to belong here. But it never truly felt like home. Do you know who I am? Everything inside of me says that I'm safe with you. Admiral, I have encountered a woman. She came to me for help. If she is who I think she is, she's in serious danger. So what was your first reactions to it? I want Bert to go, I talk too much. I'm a chatterbox. It's cool. It's, well, it's welcomed on this show. Um, so my experience watching Picard was that it felt like a trailer that was, <laughs> what, 45 minutes long? The editing was absolutely god-awful in the manner that many hollywood trailers and action movies are these days um i don't know why it's cut like an action movie i guess they want to make it an action show with an old man who can't run um Can I interject i think I, I think i understand why though okay the original pitch for tos was a wagon train to the stars and i think if you look at star trek as essentially at its core a western where like they're taking their wagon train and this week they run across bandits at, you know, so and so corral and the next week it's, you know, random prospector. It, it starts to make more sense. Mm-hmm. And so like each Star Trek series um through Voyager, uh is an enterprise, I should say, is premised on that. Like, what's the gang gonna run across this week? Discovery is this shift, and so is I think Picard, from a Western genre to a thriller genre. This is a thriller series i'm I'm, shaking your head shaking my head for the listeners at home look i mean uh in theory yes but this is not look there's not that much thought put in this is more the born identity this is prestige tv they think they're doing sure it it, i swear to god at multiple times the thing i was most reminded of was sherlock the fucking stephen moffat terrible sherlock thing they did where everything's cut to hell and there's just ridiculous effects that there's just a bunch of shit and it's 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 a lot of the show and the editing and the cinematography is devoted to telling you that important things are happen happening and you need to keep watching so that they pay off it's it's just all bullshit i'm sorry nothing important is actually happening none of this is like it may be bullshit but i think the the it's this is an important way to kind of understand the shift in how star trek has moved because I think this is a reflection of like J.J. Abrams' successful, you know, for lack of a better term, reboot of the series. Mm. Uh, Bert just get, threw up both middle fingers and I <laughs> shut something. Because you said J.J. Abrams. That's why. <laughs> anyway. Whew, um, I'm feeling salty like, after Rise of Skywalker, boys. <laughs> I haven't even seen it yet. I really? And we will, but we, uh, listeners, we will get into it sooner or later. <laughs> We're getting there. In a separate episode. <laughs> but like. I've seen all of Discovery, and Discovery has the same problem, where, like, the the way that we make Star Trek now has changed, where, like, before you could trust that the viewer's going to come back every week and enjoy and stick around for what's going to come next. That trust is no longer, it doesn't exist anymore. So I have a few. I don't feel like they trust yeah. the viewer to come back to what's going on unless there's a hook. I have a few need points a hook to in keep response going. to that. Okay, so first of all, Star Trek TNG, and even TOS to some extent, and I'm sure Deep Space Nine, they didn't have it either. They had to suffer through one or two seasons of questionable content before everybody got on board. 
TNG in particular, everybody knows the oh, first yeah. two seasons are a woof fest. Like you're you're getting to it, but it's gonna take a bit. Luckily, you know, everybody stuck around until right, Gene Roddenberry died, and <laughs> that's what happened is he died and then the show got better. But like I, I understand what you're saying and I kind of agree, but the thing is 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 I I fundamentally I'm not even a real Star Trek nerd, and I fundamentally disagree that this, and I haven't seen Discovery, but if it's like this, and Discovery, okay, in that case, I fundamentally disagree this is Star Trek on principle, because if you're doing prestige TV... Like, the form of Star Trek is what you're saying. Hmm? The form of Star Trek. Right, it's just, it, it has the Star Trek name, and it has some of the actors in the case of Picard, but it's not really Star Trek. It's you know just, how I you know how yeah. I feel about um, Star Trek colon Picard trademark copyright? Um, I'm real happy Allison Pill's getting work. She's I cool. I I hadn't seen her since Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and you know oh that's her okay yeah that was her the robot doc the robot doctor lady Dosh. um and I have complicated feelings about this because I'm gonna interject real quick sure. Meredith. Listeners, we will be discussing, like, details about the episode itself. Yeah, so... spoilers don't matter. If you care about spoilers, yeah. shut the fuck up. Log off. Delete your account. You don't need um, to watch it anyway. It's fine. Well, I, 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 I think there's things <laughs> going on. If we want Allison Pill to continue to have work, we will watch which it. I, you can watch which it. I do. I think that... I think it's too early to call. Yes. Um, Kind of whether... It's a worthy inheritor of Star Trek. I think that the editing in this episode left a lot to be desired. It was it was disjointed. It's full of cameras. It was just choppy. It, it was like incredibly strangely paced. Um, but I wanted to pivot to talking about something that the two of you mentioned in, in the little group chat that we have, sure, or that Matt at least mentioned, which is saying that like because one of you mentioned that one of the things that made it not feel like Star Trek was having the Federation turn kind of... Sh- having Starfleet especially turn kind of shitty. And like that was definitely Matt. Yeah. Bigoted. Yeah, that yeah. was me, and I'll, I'll note that I've, I've seen the episode twice now. I came around more in the second episode. Uh-huh. The Federation's the always been shitty. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, if you go well, back and watch TNG... Like oh, every yeah. other episode is about some admiral or some like attorney is like, but what yeah, if causing data problems? Yeah. What if data isn't a person? Or what if we yeah. genocide at all the board? <laughs> what if we get aliens implanted in our heads and we all explode when people shoot us? You well, know that. So, kind so of this thing. is me talking positively actually about the show. Okay. I like that um, data and Picard's relationship to data is going to be a, a central fulcrum yes. of the show. I loved the opening of it, frankly. Um, because the ending of TNG, for those that recall it, is uh, Picard comes down to the weekly poker game that the crew has. Mm-hmm. At the end of All Good Things, he comes down to the weekly poker game with them mm-hmm. um, that he's always had an open invite to and joins them. And that was like a really crucial moment because Picard is so invulnerable as a general character. To, to be that intimate with his crew was a really special thing and and that for me is a a perfect ending for that show and so i love to see the opening of this we see picard being vulnerable again and i think that is what's really interesting about this show um i think they actually kind of handle getting picard to a place of why he would undertake this journey now makes sense frankly well i'll come back around to that but just going i don't want to skip over the point that Meredith was making, which is uh, your your feelings about the Federation. Did you come around to the Federation being shitty and doing bad things? Is that okay, or is that not Star Trek-ish? Or... I think so. It it sort of didn't make sense from a place that I remembered, or at least I'd sort of remembered, PNG and DS9 and Voyager leaving off the nature of synthetic, as they're called in this show, but artificial life. It felt like Data had sort of resolved that, like that was part of his character arc. I will you, say, I was, feel like that's it's ground we've covered a million times on Star Trek, so it does feel kind of random to be like. But well, we I remember there was an, there was an episode in Voyager where they'd already exactly. said it was settled legal precedent for Data, but then the hologram doctor was like, "I would like to publish Ex- a novel. Yes. May I have royalties?" And they were like, "No, you're not a person," and they had to relitigate <laughs> it all over again. Yeah. And one of the ends of that episode featured a whole bunch of uh, decommissioned uh, e- emergency medical holograms, like working as laborers, mm-hmm. like slaves, basically. 
And that was like sort of the end of the episode. I was like, what, what about this new uh, territory of like potential artificial life sentience? How do you treat them as? I think um, in Star equals? Trek, they just like to re, they like to recover the, um, the lawsuit episode. You know, the TOS had the big two-parter where they, they put Spock on trial. And then, you know, measure of the man was measure of a man was kind of the big one with, with data. I think that's what it's called. Yes. Yep. Okay, so then I was watching DS9 a while ago, and then they, they have an episode where they put uh, Dax Odo on trial. trial. It's Dax. They probably do Odo uh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. They put Dax on trial, like, because, oh, is Dax the responsible symbiotes. for what the, sim- you know. And it's the same exact, I mean, I liked the episode, but it's also like, yeah, I, I get it. I saw Measure, well, yeah. and we're just doing the same thing. Yeah. And, and the point I made... And that yeah. I will make again for the benefit of the listeners, yeah, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Is um because I don't think you're going to be the only person who's going to see Starfleet being like like decommissioning all synthetic life, and right. and you know remember that remember like the holographic doctor and be like, wait, this sucks. This does not seem like Starfleet. Um, but the the I didn't blink at it, and the point that I kind of reflexively made was for for listeners who don't know i am a transgender person right and i have witnessed over the last 25 years a sequence of what seem like constantly repeated uh civil rights struggles one by the skin of the teeth while everyone around me is saying that you know we're making progress and now we are careening toward like a devastating kind of reaction and collapse in civil rights for me and people like me and so when i thought of like i immediately thought of it as like yeah no uh, nobody thought of data and the doctor as people and then over the last like 20 years in starfleet they had to like struggle to be able to just like get royalties for their books or like not be dissected by a doctor and then there was like a momentary thing there was like a political crisis and they were used as a scapegoat and they got as an excuse yeah 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 i will say watching it like it I can understand if it's, it, it totally makes sense that, you know, civil rights are not a, oh, we passed the Civil Rights Act and now everybody, obviously, unless you're like super liberal, you don't think that that just ends racism and everybody's equal, probably more conservative that thinks that, you know, it's a constant struggle because there's always going to be somebody trying to relitigate that and, and you know, take the things away again. The show, it's, it's more in how it's presented on the show. It's just kind I... of like a, yeah. I would yeah. have gone with Cardassians instead of Romulans, which is I think the I think the show weakens itself by tying itself to the J.J. Abrams canon, right? Because it kind of mm-hmm. doesn't make it doesn't make sense that this reaction came from um, finding a new home for Romulan refugees. Because if you know your Star Trek lore, the Romulans were actually our allies in, right. against yes. against the Dominion, and they no. and they didn't have to be. The Romulan ambassador in the episode in the pale moonlight had the it's a fake moment where he was like i know that you're lying to me but i also know that we have to stand against this thing right um the wrong well, he ends up they kill him remember oh right 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 right. <laughs> fuzzy memories thank <laughs> see, you for correcting see, check. Yeah. but the romulans were our allies and the cardassians right. were the ones who sided they with were just men. constantly at our throats yeah yeah that like recent federation memory would probably be pretty positive about the, your average chud in the Federation would probably feel pretty positive about the Romulans uh, relative to anything else, well, but feel pretty negative about the Cardassians. Actually, and if I were writing it, I would have been like, there was some disaster and we resettled Cardassians. They um, might, I'm sure they'll see, go into it more actually, on the show at some point. You know, I actually liked that connection because I was tr- struggling to think of like, what could possibly make Picard resign? Like if you think about his career trajectory, like he's on a course straight to the top. He's going to be an admiral and retire only because he literally can't do it anymore, and I liked that connection. I liked the like the reference back to like Bruce Maddox, who was like Data's sort of um, writing confidant, who was studying Data back in TNG. I liked those references. I liked that Data. Uh, that's one thing too, like with the show that I s- sort of made me respect it more. Is I anticipated that they would tease that Dodge was Data's daughter. For like the entire first season, mm-hmm. then only at the end would they be like, "Oh yeah, he's uh, she's his daughter." Surprise! And everyone's like, "Yeah, we know." Like it was very obvious from the start. 
And then this first episode, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, she's Data's daughter. So moving on. Yeah, they avoided, they like, avoided mystery box storytelling, which I will say which, in a, in a post-Jabram's post Jabram's yes. world is a bit of a relief. Um, yes, I was very appreciative of that. Uh, the, the, I don't know, man. Like, I, there, There's still mystery. Don't get me wrong. But, but I mean, like, the mystery is kind of the problem for me. Why are we doing a mystery TNG show? Well, it's not a TNG show. This is what I'm saying. Why are we doing... Like I said, it feels like Sherlock. Like it's like it's like you set up mysteries that aren't really mysteries, and then you solve them within the guise of the show. And it's like, what? Am, why am I yeah, watching this? I don't, it's a procedural. I know, but I don't want to. I, I okay. I'm just I'm just com- I, over I don't know. Like, but now, so this but, is the thing. Yeah, I, I worked on a a friend of mine with basically like fan fiction for a prestige TV series about like Worf <laughs> um, and the Klingon Empire, mm-hmm. and because the Klingon Empire is the perfect place to have a prestige TV series. If you want your succession, if you want your Game of Thrones, these like sprawling epics, the Klingons are perfect for that. I don't, but go on. I kind of, I do. (laughs) (laughs) That would be so good. Picard, it, it, I love Patrick Stewart. I love what he's doing with this character. I am actually really excited to see what he does with his acting performances. Um, He's such a master character. And I think, well, again, the great things about the film is even though the editing and the camera angles are really annoying. There is one, not many Dutch angles, which is a blessed, blessed thing over Discovery. And two, it feels like Patrick Stewart like anchors the show. Like he just like calms it down and just like makes you focus on him, keeps it from going, you know, into this like manic J.J. Abrams got to run around, solve the mystery place. I, okay, so two points. I think he's executive producer on the show. He is. Okay, so I think a lot of the good things you're identifying that I kind of agree are good things. Like, Uh-oh. there's clearly love for the character, and there's clearly, there's honestly a little bit too much reference for the character. I know it's called Picard. Oh, yeah, well, for sure. But it's a bit much. And I think a lot of that is coming from him being executive producer. At least there's some heart there. You know, I can feel that somebody cares about the character, and I feel like it's probably Patrick Stewart. And that's very sweet and nice to watch. But um, the other thing is, um, God, <sighs> it's it's just... I don't really, I don't really see, like, there are numerous times within this show, this episode of the show, where Jean-Luc Picard is central to whatever is happening in the plot, and it felt very, why? Like, why is he central to this? It, it very much feels like he's the center of the universe. I know the show's about him, but it's, it's I, a bit, like... I think I can, I think I can explain why, He's not Jesus, though. he's not Space Jesus, he's just a guy it, that was a captain on a ship. Like, not just a guy though. Not, not just a guy though. He's the he's like, the villain of Wolf Five Nine. He's of Wolf Three Five Nine. Exactly. Yes. As Mary said, he was assimilated by the Borg. So we're lost. But if you people. remember, everybody on Earth kind of hated this, him for a grip because he was the as far as they knew who's he he has like if we're if we're gonna explore this like um and I, I kind of hate that the show's doing this. Uh-huh explore like what makes someone human what makes artificial life artificial uh which is a thing that star trek has done many times before and we're returning to this well because we're looking at data's daughters picard is the perfect person to straddle that middle divide not only because of his experience of being assimilated but also because of his wish with data he's uh, okay this story about like artificial intelligence like i was really against it at first i was like wait this actually does make a lot of sense for this to be picard's reason to be something again but it's man, it's just not working for me. I'm sorry. Like like okay, that's totally fine. Dodge's character, uh, like the actress is great. She's cool. She's doing the best she can with what she's got. But man, she has some bad material that she's being given. She has to like sit in an alley and be told. Oh no! I, yeah, totally agree. By her mom over the phone that she has to find Picard fake mom and close her eyes and magically do the minority report on her on whatever hologram thing she it's it's so fake and bad like it's it's just it's honestly just kind of cheesy like it's it's and not in a star yeah. trek way it's it's it feels cheap it's strong what i what i thought of cheesy. when a lot of the dodge stuff was happening was ghost in the shell like the stuff with the mom or like you know the memories of the mom aren't real or whatever i remembered in ghost in the shell when the guy who is like driving the truck and does not know that he is fucking ghost in the shell spoilers again yeah. in 1991 get over yourselves 
Oh, it's not even that long. Yeah, of a movie, and, yeah. And, like did yeah. had all he had all these implanted memories in him, and he was being tricked into like doing a terrorism, and he gets mm-hmm. and he's being interrogated, and he's being deprogrammed and shown like you don't have a daughter, you live by yourself. These are implanted memories, and right. f- like a, a a horny hyper violent anime movie from 1991 managed to capture the kind of like existential horror and like deep probing quest interesting questions that the scenario of being of like having false memories written onto you would create and in the end i worry that the writers of picard from what i've seen so far are not up to the challenge of yeah i don't even know if they are or not it's i feel like the real issue is the show is moving way too quick like, there's no time to stop. Yeah, no, they killed Dodge in the first episode. Which, like, I was okay, like, wait a second. I was getting there. That's, like, probably the most ludicrous thing in this whole show. Like, the, the this episode of the show is they just fucking kill her. And you're like, oh, I, it's, it, I feel like the desired reaction is you're supposed to be like, oh my god, she died. But I've known her for, like, 20 well, and minutes. The, and I don't and even you know also know she's, of- like, a main character. Who's, she's, like, a featured act. She's, like, an actress who's been featured in all the trailers. And it's, like... She's right. And so like five minutes later, they're like, oh, we have another one. It's cool. But like, <laughs> but I mean, like, like you would uh, think Picard would no, more like, and more it, like it fucks up my conception of Picard. Yeah. That Picard's like, oh, no, darsh, and his old man voice. And then he because he has, and then no he has a time. little nap. Like, they and they're like, have there's another time. one. And he's like, oh, very exciting. Let's go get her. And it's like. <laughs> He sounds kind of. He sounds kind of like he knew there was another. He's like, "Oh, there's another one." Well, so that fuck, makes sense because oh, I fuck figured that, that hoe. I don't know her anymore. Like, <laughs> she wasn't yeah, even yeah, real okay, anyway. Picard, how do you really feel about this? Because she was a person who didn't want to die, and she died. She still died horribly in front of you. Like, well, and not only that is like, yeah, she died in front of him, but also like he has such an incredibly compassionate and warm, like. <laughs> Like, uh, Mary talked about the, um, you know, struggling through, like, this realization of, like, I'm fake. Like, my memories and things aren't real. Okay. But yeah, yeah, yeah. this, like, wonderfully warm reaction to her. Because, like, you, these are your memories. Like, that that's not... Okay. They're not fake or not. It's just that's part of who you <laughs> but are. Matt, but that scene feels so fake because, because I, they it have... It made me cry. He's known her for, like, five minutes. It made me minutes, cry a little. And he's, like... It made me cry a little bit. I'm gonna counter you, and I'm gonna say, I, mean, I will I'm say that so that scene, here, like. that scene where he's like, he's holding her hand and like, you're real. Everything about you is valid, hunty. And then she dies, and he's like, well, I'm done with this now. And like, throws her. He's like, he's like, oh, guess she wasn't real. And throws the memory of her shoulder. He's like, let's go get, let's go down to Best Buy and get the replacement dodge. <laughs> okay, but the fact he does that reinforces what I'm saying, which is when when he okay he's known her for like five. She she literally shows up on his lawn and is like, "You, I know who you are, and I love you, and somehow I know you." And he's and and also they killed my they killed my friend and then my my boyfriend and she's like, "Oh, okay, okay, uh, let's get you inside and get you a towel or whatever." And then like ten minutes later, he's like, "Your memories aren't really fit." Like like it it's such a jump. I barely knew this person to suddenly I know everything about them, including they have implanted memories and they're not a real person. Like, all this weird... That's way too Think about little. all the weird shit that Picard's encountered, it's, though. Like, come on. It's... I don't care about Picard specifically. It is too little for the audience to become acclimated yeah. to what is and going on. And I guess that's my, that's my complaint things. about that's the fair, editing. That's fair. Is, like, this first... This first yes. episode... So, I think one of the things anime does right, and, that, and it's the only time I'll ever say this, that I think anime fans get right is there is an understanding in the anime fandom that kind of one of the things that makes anime good is the way that it is generally paced and that you cannot know whether an anime series is good or not until you're three episodes in and what we saw in picard was three 30 minute episodes of worth of television jammed into a 40 minute episode of television it's yeah. so much it's just you know oof. and i can i can sit here and, and like, be like the first episode is like there's a plot related to picard with the interview and like managing the fallout and there's a plot related to dodge right getting to the right. estate the second episode dodge escapes 
there's a plot related to Dodge slowly realizing that, like, her memories and stuff are fake and getting confused and finding Picard. And there's a plot related to Picard maybe having to, like, do some stuff to get into, to get into Starfleet and to, like, find information about, like, Data and Dodge and whatever and putting the pieces together. And then the third episode would be, like, them getting back together and Picard has learned all this shit. And, you know, like, it's three it's three episodes yeah, yeah. worth of TV. No, totally agree. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And it would have so much more impact, like, if you're going to kill her, which I don't necessarily agree with, if it happened the third episode in, after you've yeah, there's had, a punch like, there. had some time, yeah, I'd be like, okay, this is really emotional. And, and honestly, I mean, I get, listen, if you if you felt emotion during these scenes, it's totally I fine. I felt emotions. It's, sure, I felt something, but it was also just... It's kind of colored by just shock that, like, we're just moving a little quickly with the show. Like, it's just like, can we slow down a second? And one of the one of the appealing things about TNG, of course, is, like, let's take our time and focus on littler things sometimes, yep. you know? I don't know if this show's going to be too interested in that. At least let's on focus this on episode, littler things, like how Ensign Rowe looks in a Starfleet uniform. Which one's Ensign Rowe? Get out. Get out of uh, here. Michelle Forbes. Get out of here. You mean the best character from seasons five, from seasons four and five of Star Trek The Next Generation? Get out of my face. Who is... Was Barkley on seasons four and five? <laughs> <laughs> Who is in Sinro? I, I, the pacing is a really great critique that I hadn't really thought about. It um, was... So, I, thank you. That's... That makes... It, it makes it a lot more clear, totally, because, like, I can see the skeleton of those three episodes as you laid them out there, like, how they should have yeah. been. This first episode is... We're introduced to Dodge as this person and Picard and like they're almost like parallel yeah. stories of them both feeling out of place, out of sync. The the end point of that first episode is them being the end point like, of that episode is we're the end go point find of that we are. first episode is she shows up on his lawn looking, you know, road hard and put up wet, and he like looks up from petting his yeah. dog, boom, cut to credits. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it happened. I will say we're being kind of hard on it. It did, it did feel nice. Like I'm gonna wa- I'm gonna watch the next episode. It it felt yeah. it felt nice seeing seeing Patrick Stewart again. It felt real nice seeing Brent Spiner in the data makeup. Yeah. Oh, see the 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 the, the uh, hair on him was a little bit. No, I I like, I like they didn't where... CG him to make him look like young data. Oh, you know, I like that we got like that. So. T- one of the one of the appeals of even like Deep Space Nine and TNG, at least to me, is that they still are incredibly campy shows with low special effects budgets that engage your imagination. Like literally in my favorite episode, Darmok, they were just like, uh, we didn't even know if we were going to use the script, and we're kind of out of our special effects budget for the season. So the Paul Winfield, go yeah, go the hang monsters on, monsters invisible, Thanks. you know, and so I liked the parts where it was kind of rough around the edges. Like, yeah, Brent Spiner looks old, and they're not going to correct that with CG. I like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. It was because it, like, Star Trek has always had kind of the same charm of a stage play, where it feels a little bit more collaborative than more kind of highly polished TV, where, like, you can see the zipper on the monster, and so it feels more like the episode is a collaboration between you and the actors and the writer and the director, right? Ooh. Yeah, and I think that's actually the strength of the show. Is, I mean, yes, I totally agree with the criticism that we don't get a lot of time with Dodge to form an emotional connection, but the best times are when Stewart is working with his like little mini ensembles, him and Dodge, him and the two Romulans on his. <laughs> you mean estate. his polycule? <laughs> like those are the, yeah, those are the best moments from like the t- the show. Like to see Picard sort of like working with that ensemble. And I think that's actually one of the things that might make future episodes a challenge. Is like. Stuart is best when he's like pulling together a group of people for a show. Like there's the often quoted anecdote of like in like season two of TNG, everyone's having a really great time and having fun and they're having so much fun that like the crew was working like overtime in like 16 hour days. And he like pulled in the cast to kind of yell at them and do like the captain thing of like, listen, these people have lives and jobs. We need to respect them. You know, the weirdest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's okay. It's like Patrick Stewart as the leader of an ensemble is like, it makes perfect sense. The weirdest thing for me is like, the acting is all good. Okay. I didn't really think anybody was a bad actor on the show. The dialogue at times is really bad. And I feel like it's, it's when the script is rushed. Cause there's, it's really weird. Cause there's a point where, um, Dosh, it's very early. Dosh and her boyfriend. Yep. 
they're just having a friend, sexual friends, whatever he is or whatever they are. I don't know. But they're having a moment in like the apartment where they just have a relationship and it's very stripped down and slowed down. And the dialogue is really great. And it's actually really well, like it's well acted anyway, but it's like, okay, this feels real and I'm relating to these characters. But like once the show speeds up, action, we have to action now. By the end of the show, you're watching like somebody walk on a board ship, board ship and be like, aha, Mrs. Your name. And your this is your position and what you do. And I'm like, I'm, it's like I'm watching a Dan Brown novel. It's like, why do we have to jump, like, slow down, just have moments that are nice, and no, the dialogue the will... Na- we have to end on a board cube so people will come back for episode yeah, two. Yeah, what's the deal with that? It's what's just, going on with that board cube? I don't care. I don't. That's the thing is I don't want... I don't want well, big, huge plot points that are going to pay off. I don't want prestige TV. I just want if you some people remember, to have stripped down moments and have it proceed naturally. And we can't have that because we have to get the plot out for the viewers so that they pay attention. It's like I'm paying if attention. If you remember from uh, TNG, the Borg had done several incursions into the Romulan neutral zone, oh. uh, which is where they found Hugh. So presumably it's not like outside of the realm of possibility that the Romulans captured a Borg cube at some point. Yeah, and that would be a good that would be a good backup for a planet to live on. It feels very JJ Abrams were rebuilding the Death Star and calling it the Star Killer Base. I Well, I mean that's the thing is like my pitch for a prestige Klingon series would have been about dealing with the refugees of Romulus. Like the Klingon Empire would have taken presumably some on, the Federation would have taken some on. And I think like the idea that the Federation's attempts to rescue the Romulans failed is really interesting to me and like yeah mars being just still on fire was an interesting idea the martian atmosphere was ignited and is still burning is a fun thought i mean not fun a horrifying thought that's not fun i wanted to i wanted to see more of it i appreciate also that it did some nice meta moments where, like, Picard at the opening sequence is like, I'm not ready for the game to end. Yeah, it was a little bit, like, on the nose. But I think it was also a really cool moment, like, where Patrick Stewart was almost, like, saying that, like, I'm not ready to let go of this character just yet yeah, myself. Why does he call his dog number one? Because he doesn't have a number one anymore. I, also, I will... briefly for the dog thing, because I'm a dog. You're a dog. Lover. I'm woof woof. He's it a dog slash obs- lover. <laughs> it's, a, it's obscene that uh, we have, you know, conquered the galaxy, whatever, in you know, the 24th century, mm-hmm. but we haven't banned uh, cropping dog ears. Yeah, they just like, genetically engineer them that way. Okay, yeah. that, will, that, that makes me feel better. It's still also, he's, pretty he's, weird. Also, he's, yeah. he's French. Have you seen what those fuckers do to geese? Like, <laughs> <laughs> cropping dog ears is well, the least of your concerns. They make, them, they make the geese laugh, or they make the geese honk <laughs> in weird accents. I will say... <laughs> honk, honk, honk. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a mark. <laughs> I'm a mark for moments like that like um i don't even really like doctor who um i used to and i guess i did like it during the david tennant years and oof that last david tennant special where the doctor's regenerating for the last time and there's just a little there's a little pause and he like all of the david tennant as the doctor like manic energy goes away and he just kind of like stares off into space and in this really like soft scared weak voice says like, I'm not ready to go, is I think what he says, or, like, I don't want to go. Like, I'm getting choked up just talking about it. So, like, I am yep. I am exactly... The fact that I'm... Vi- I will say, like, I'm excited for the show, and I do not begrudge you, Matt, your excitement for the show. I am a mark for exactly this kind of, like, sappy shit. Um, but I, I will say the fact that I'm this much of a mark for it... And they're still kind of like making me suck air through my teeth does not bode well. Well, yeah. See, I would say like my initial reaction wasn't that positive. It was after seeing it again, I started to like digest it from like that like Trekker nitpicky fan base where I'm kind of like, this all has to make sense. Um, I'm easing into it. Um, So I got to watch it again. That's what you're saying. Ah. (laughs) See, the The funny thing, Matt, is. Like I, I mean, I watched it once. I'm not watching it again. But upon upon like rethinking it. I kept thinking of it in terms of what if I wasn't into Star Trek and I knew nothing about it and I just started well, that, watching the that, show. It would be garbage. Well, that's, that was my point. I was going to say that, you know, us sort of talking about it revealed to me is the challenge with this show is that who is it for? And I think it, in a way it almost has an audience for no one because if you loved TNG, like 
so much of this show is built on Star Trek lore. You have to have loved Star Trek that came before it. At the same time, it is shot so differently and structured so differently than traditional Star Trek. Also, so like TNG was one of the most weird... popular shows on television. Like who did? Who has? Well, seen I think it, it, it was weird, popular like, once it got syndicated. Yeah, like but, once it was literally omnipresent. That's it. Kind of. My parents were my parents were watching it every week when an episode dropped, and they were right. not alone. And this was pre-syndication. But they had the option to as well. Like, well, well, I think it was syndicated while it was on. Oh, okay, I could be wrong. Um, but like. This is on CBS All Access, which, yeah. uh, well, which we all, of course, bought a subscription to CBS All Access so we could watch it. Of course, this, or free trials happened. on Amazon. Prime. The thing I love is following uh, all the rules. Um, closing thoughts on the show, Bert. It sounds like you're pretty off it. Um, I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and watch a few more episodes. I might watch the whole thing, depending on how long it goes. Apparently, they're already talking season two, which I think is a little getting ahead of the game but um it wasn't horrible um it's yeah yeah. the fight choreography was actually pretty good a lot of people did complain about this because the editing is bad but like the actual fighting is kind of cool like it's just uh, also how much fighting do you really need on a star trek show is also a problem Um, but you know i was watching the fighting i was like oh they put some thought into this it's just edited like crap it it has its moments um, I would just like it if it slowed down. Maybe they're just trying to set all the groundwork really quickly. Uh, it could totally go somewhere. Based off this, though, it's... Yeah. I mean, I will say the first we'll season see. or two of a Star Trek thing being dog shit until it, get, until it gets up to pace is not <clears throat> unheard of. Um, it's a tradition, yeah. It, it, it gave me a lot of security blanket feelings, and I'm a little bit buzzed and i'm probably about to get a little bit more buzzed and i'm seriously considering making a bowl of ramen and finishing my um my flaming hot limon uh (laughs) bodega doritos um and and watching it again and just feeling 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 at peace you know also uh if anyone would like a little tip that I have learned since I've been churching up my ramen. If you're going to be making fancy broth, it's really just better to like make it in batches, like big batches, because it's pointless to make, to try to like do aromatics and batches small enough to justify a single bowl of soup. That's your little, uh, that's your little start. That's your little tip of the week. That's the bonus within the bonus. Start of the left soup, start of the left soup trick. I think for me, and I've watched all Discovery, which I really despise, even as how many, I've watched how many seasons, seasons are out? Two so far. Well, well Matt, like I love the casting. Like, don't get me wrong, but to me, Discovery is a really bad contemporary take on Star Trek. It's well, Matt. The problem is you just haven't watched Discovery enough times. That's the problem. Uh, yeah, no, it's... you need to watch it three times at least to get all the little details about Star Trek no. Discovery, the show everybody likes. <laughs> no, Star Trek Discovery to me is an extremely cynical. Uh, production mm-hmm. of Star Trek. But this, um, I'm willing to definitely go back to it. Like I said, I really love Dodge, um, and th- it is a shame that her character has essentially died so fast. And if they bring her back, I can see it very easily happening, but I would be a little bit miffed uh, just because the her relationship with Picard is interesting. And if she's a clone of Data, then she is a piece of Data. And I can see... Picard having this like really strong connection to her based on that. And the idea of building a show essentially around Picard, around his trauma, is really interesting. And, you know, we've sort of seen the, the best of TNG has been about that exploration, that trauma. And when you think about it, Data is the only person that's kind of been with him in the most compelling ways. They've both had this relationship with the Borg Queen. They've both been sort of partially made into counterparts like she was um data was with him when he was assimilated and they were trying to shut down the board cube like him and data have been ride or die homies for a long time and it's not the same kind of relationship as like kirk and spock but it's a different kind of intimacy i think it's really interesting and i hope that they continue to build on that as this corner piece of the show see when you say that i'm thinking like first contact and star trek nemesis which is not what i want from a star trek i mean i know what you're saying first contact is great later episode okay but um you know if hey if they slow down and it becomes the inner light but real then yeah. cool slow down for I'm sure all for that maybe it'll happen maybe picard will 
maybe Patrick Stewart himself will write the ship. You never know. I, I'm the only problem is I'm, I'm skeptical of it slowing down. Like the preview for the next episode was like, uh, also all the previews have been like Picard's on a ship with like all this kind of like scrappy rebel uh, people doing things and. I don't feel like the show is going to slow down at all. I have a rule that at the end of any episode of any TV show, if it has previews for the next episode, I will never, ever watch them. Like, ever. I liked, at the end of this I liked, one, in, the preview, said, I liked in the preview when he said engage. Well, there was I one liked piece when that he really said the thing me. I know. It made me feel good, because I know that. Yeah, but, said, you know, sometimes it feels fucking good to be, to be a fucking... I'm not disagreeing. To be a normie, and to be like, I said the thing. There was a, a thing that really bugged me, where he's like, when I have a mission, there's nothing in, that, in hell that can stop me. And I was kind of like, is that Patrick's... Is that Captain Picard? Captain Picard wouldn't be that uh, much of a... That's no Braggart. Picard where he, he throws the gun into the... No, that Picard. That's the crazy action Picard. Yeah, from that's the, the Picard, yes, that, that, crazy action that's Picard. The Picard that empties a fucking we'll call, Tommy gun We'll call gun him drum. Joe. <laughs> that's, that's the Picard... No, no that's, the, that's the vengeful Picard. This is the Picard that drove a dune buggy around in Star Trek. I will says. make them pay for what they've done. That, that Picard. Uh, well, speaking to how dumb I am. And how nostalgic I am. I mean, the do- he did he did call the dog number one, and I was like, "Wait, is Riker a dog?" <laughs> <laughs> no, apparently, apparently Riker is an extremely is... cruel cu- a trick by Q. <laughs> apparently, which hold on, hold up. I'd I watch that. I remember something. Holy shit. Literally, and this sucks because I am a professional writer, and so whenever I think like I probably could have written this better, I don't get to think like, mm, but maybe it's the best it could have been done. Like I can I. I'm stuck sitting there knowing, like, no, this could have been written better. The moment when Dodge got smoked, if you're gonna have a Picard show, you have to have Q. Q is obsessed with Picard. And, like, that would have been a perfect moment to have Q come back. To have Q show up and be like, hey, long time no see, buddy. Any- I looks like your girlfriend just got greased. Let me just put her back together real quick. You know, something... Such a perfect opportunity to bring in Q. Jean-Luc, you're always getting into trouble when I'm not around. Yeah. Like, why isn't... Oh, if Q doesn't show up, I think that I'm going to throw a real tanty. I'm going to throw a real hissy fit. I will say, if this show was centered around, like, John Delancey, oh my god, I would love this show. I just... It doesn't even matter how bad it is. (laughs) If it was just centered around their... Oh, you mean My Little Pony? You know friendship is magic is that how that works um, my little so, so this is only because i spent a lot of time caring for a child who is in the age range for my little pony friendship is magic but there's a character called uh-huh. discord who's like the main villain of the second season who is literally like what if q but magic instead of science who like breaks out and has q's suite of powers and is voiced by john delancey and there's oh a bunch goodness. of q references in the episodes that that they're in but I never like admitting that I'm an adult who watched episodes of My Little Pony and was like, mm, this it's isn't okay. miserable. I find things enjoyable about this because of, you know, the association. It's okay. Are um, you more Team Fluttershy or more Team Buttercup? I don't that, know if those are On that confession, we'll <laughs> let it go. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, Mayor underscore squared. M-E-R underscore S-Q-U-A-R-E-D on Twitter.corn. But you shouldn't be using Twitter or social media. It's spiritually deadening. Um, just go buy my books. <laughs> and what are the titles of we're your not going to talk about that they know <laughs> <laughs> bye bye books <laughs> bye bye bu- bye bye sales you'll, you know what they are already I'm, just buy more copies yeah you know about them <sighs> come uh, on cowboy i am at coriolis music for my music that i'm working on and at refreshing time which i will hopefully use less now that the discourse is out of control and we're coming up on super Tuesday. So I need to get off Twitter. Thank you for following. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at a very big bear. Uh, follow us on at second star cast, email the cast at second star cast at gmail.com. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps us build our audience and we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our discussion on Picard and have a wonderful week. Engage. (laughs) Make it so.